You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, I talk with my ESPN colleague, Jeff Legwald, as we discuss his top 100 list. Jeff has been compiling this list for a long time. He's connected to the scouting world and knows his stuff. We talk about what he's hearing from people about various players that interest Washington. Keep in mind, there will be times you disagree with someone's list. Guess what? That's exactly how it goes in the scouting world. There is rarely unanimity on a guy. And Jeff has scouting reports going back to when Peyton Manning was coming out back in the day where scouts ripped Manning. But this is just trying to provide intel and insight leading into the draft. You can read Jeff's top 100 list on ESPN.com and follow him on Twitter at Jeff underscore Legwald. That's L-E-G-W-O-L-D. You can read my work, of course, on ESPN.com and follow me on Instagram at John Kime ESPN. You can also watch our NFL Nation mock draft at 8.30 p.m. Tuesday, that's Eastern time, on ESPN2. Check out my last two podcasts. I spoke with former Washington tight end Jordan Reed about his retirement and his concussions. And I spoke to former Washington corner Fred Smoot about his draft day memories, plus some late round gems talk with former NFL scout Tyler Roman. Before I share my conversation with Jeff, a couple of things. I go back to this one, and I initially dismissed Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa as a possible pick, even though I know that they like him in this range. But I know they're talking to Landon Collins about a possible move to the same position. They'd have the same role. But this potential move does not take Koromoa off of their list, and they could still use Collins as a big nickel or strong safety, depending what they decide. With, between he and Cam Curl, I do think it's clear they wanted, they'd like to keep Curl at strong safety based on reading tea leaves. I mean, considering they're talking to Landon about making a possible move, see how it unfolds this summer. But they will be in the market for another free safety, and there are some intriguing ones out there. Trayvon Merrick is one. Andre Sisco is another. So I, just, I think they're trying to help that secondary and you can help it still by keeping Collins in that big knuckle role. If you get a guy like Koromoa, his speed and his possible dynamic ability is just kind of different. So that's why he's going to still be a possible pick. You just want good players. Koromoa is a good player. At linebacker, day two possibilities include Ohio State's Pete Warner. His versatility and ability to be a three-down guy could push him into the second round. I think that's a little bit higher than I thought he would go when this whole process started months ago. but. That's what you start to hear with him. If Washington doesn't go linebacker in the first round, there's a chance for a guy like Warner or LSU's Jabril Cox. A big question will be if they automatically take left tackle Christian Derisaw if he's available. They know that while there are offensive tackles in rounds two and three that they feel could be starters, uh, there are some questions about Derisaw. 
But do you leave them on the board if available? And that's especially how you really stack up those guys based on what else you think might be there in rounds two and three. And I still say, I think I said this last time, I think in an ideal world in those rounds, they might trade out of those, maybe trade out of a fourth or, or, or picks um, in this draft to pick up some capital for next year when they feel like there's going to be a lot more um, high-level talent available in those rounds. But that depends on the position because at areas where they want guys, linebacker, safety, corner, those, those corners from Georgia, the second round, possibilities. You know, there's guys that they like in those rounds, I think, that could help them right now. So it's not automatic they're going to trade because a lot of teams want to trade, but there are guys that they like at areas where they want to fill things. They have a chance. Listen, we all talk about this offense, but they have a chance to build a really good defense if this draft hits right. Excuse me, improve on a really good defense. Anyway, at quarterback, while I've been saying all along they would look hard to draft one, it's what I've consistently been told from the time that they signed Brian Fitzpatrick. I also want to remind you, it doesn't mean it will automatically happen. The one quarterback in the first round that I could see intriguing them is Justin Fields. And that because and I say that mainly because I think he might be the one who falls far enough back that it could be tempting for them. And I don't think they would trade up if, if Trey Lance falls. That one I feel pretty good about. Um, and the cost would be much less if he starts to if Fields gets back to the back into the top 10 or even out of the top 10. I'm not confident at all that he slips out of the top 10. Um, but if he does, I think you've got to really pay attention to that one. Um, after that, Kyle Trask, perhaps Davis Mills. You know, I've heard I've heard Trask's name a lot. Mills' name I've heard not quite as much as Trask, but I've definitely heard it. Um, I also don't think they will force this pick. I always go back to Kansas City because Ron Rivera is tight with Chiefs coach Andy Reid. Reid was in Kansas City for five years and made an offense work well with Alex Smith at quarterback. Wasn't a great passer. We know Alex's history, but he was a good quarterback. But he wasn't, you know, but they were still, they didn't force the issue. I think they, in the time where he was there, they took two other quarterbacks in the fifth round. They really weren't looking for his replacement. Then when they saw that the guy, they had a guy there that they loved in Patrick Mahomes, that's when they pounced. Now, Washington doesn't have that same level of quarterback right now without for Alex Smith because Smith at that time was about 30 years old. They do have Fitzpatrick, obviously, and they have Kyle Allen and, of course, Taylor Heineke. I'm not saying they're going to wait five years, but I do think it will be why if they don't get a guy that they if – if there's not a guy they love there, they won't feel the need to just draft any quarterback. That's why there's some guys later in the draft that I don't think – I'm not sure that would really interest them because they have guys that they already like who can develop now that they feel they're more intriguing to them as far as developing. Um, that guy has to have a legit chance of making the roster, and that means being obviously better in their minds than Kyle Allen or Heineke. Also, Steven Montez. Yes, they are intrigued by him. It's ha not having – they liked what they saw last summer, and you would hear this every so often, and Rivera even referenced it later in the year when he was having to make quarterback changes. The inability to see him in a preseason game really hurt. Um, and I think they saw some stuff in practice, but they want to see it in games. So they're going to, yeah, they're going to experiment with moving around a little bit. We've talked about that before, but I definitely know there are some there that want to see more of him at quarterback because they are intrigued. So if they don't get their guy, a guy that they like, they can just go about filling other spots and then waiting for when their guy does come about. And that is when you pounce.
Here's another way to look at it. If they stick with their first four picks, they could end up with a starting tackle, a linebacker who starts for them, corner, safety, another running back. It's funny because I haven't talked a lot about running back, but I, I know it's on the list and I've told you it's on the list. I don't know where the sweet spot is for them is. I'm not sure where it's going to be in terms of prioritizing, you know, tar- which round they might be targeting. Cause I think it's hard to target around. You have to let the board unfold, but it's a, don't be surprised if situation. So if they went and got a running back, if a guy sitting in their second round and they pick one, don't be surprised. I'm not, not necessarily what I'm hearing, but I know that they, that they want to improve or to add more at that position. So a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of stuff that we're, I'm anxious to see unfold and to, to actually finally get some answers. Anyway, I'll have more on the next podcast, which will come out Wednesday morning, a bonus one and therefore a shorter one. Anyway, after this break, I'll be back with ESPN's Jeff Legwald, who put together his annual top 100 player list for the draft. What does he have to say about some Washington targets and where do they rank? Hey, this is Joel Corey from Inside the Cap. I know you're enjoying the John Conn Report, which gives you insider access to the Washington football team. Everything you want you want to know, which is going on with the Washington football team. Once you're done with that, check out my podcast, Inside the Cap, which gives you the ins and outs of the NFL salary cap and player contract negotiations. Check out these two products and other fine podcasts from Empire Media. This show can be found on Podcast DC the new local app with hundreds of options in local news, health, and, of course, of the DMV region. Download the Podcast DC app to hear all the Empire shows as well as the other great content. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with ESPN's Jeff Legwald. All right, Leggy. That time of the year again, the, the Jeff Legwald Top 100, one of the best things we have on our site all year, always good, always informative. So I look forward to talking to you about this. But first I want to ask you, was it, how different was it putting together the one this year compared to past? Was it harder? Was it different? What what was what was that like? John, it's, it's funny. I mean, I, I've, I've gone to the Combine every year since 1987. So... Uh, you know, February, I spend a week in India. It's just been part of my life for three plus decades. And it was weird not to have a combine this year. I didn't go to any pro days. Uh, so it's the first time in a in a very long time I didn't go to any pro days. So hmm. it was an odd year in terms of, you know, you just didn't see the people. I didn't see the scouts and the and the personnel guys that you've talked to over the years and, you know, you didn't have any of that informal information, you know, as it were, you you still can call people, but this time of year, everybody's swamped. And I, you know, the, the one thing I did take away is I, there were two very different tracks teams took some teams like the Broncos uh, tried to go to as many pro days as possible to cover for the time they didn't get with guys and some teams I I believe the Rams did not attend a pro day at all so uh very different strategies this year I think uh it will be interesting down the line to see how teams adapt when things return to the way they sort of were before but how teams keep some of what they did 
uh, because I heard an awful lot of people liked the Zoom calls because you got an hour with the prospect uh, instead of just the 15 minutes at the at the combine face to face. So anyway, I, it, a very different thing. But, you know, I think everybody tried to make the most of it. But I think the biggest thing the fans should look for is guys with medical questions uh, could fall on the board in some places just because teams could not get the same amount of information they got. You know, people tried, they tried to do the exams virtually or exchange the inf information virtually. Uh, 150 guys went to Indy for medical checks, but that's 150 is far fewer than 330, right. you know, in a normal year. So I, I think as a, as a fan, people should watch where the guys with medical questions sort of end up. Because I, I think those will be the players who are impacted the most this year. Who do, do you have a couple? Because there are a couple guys in that first round that you can look at with that, and there are a couple corners in particular. But who are some of the guys that you think are in that medical that you know of are in that medical question um, situation that could fall a little bit? I, you know, the wide the widest variance I'm hearing on a top guy is is Caleb Farley from Virginia yep. Tech, the the corner. He's had multiple back surgeries. The second one was earlier this year. I think that a player like him, you know, he was a slam dunk, you know, top 15 when the draft process started. And then when he had the recent back surgery and, you know, by all accounts, you know, he's going to be able to play and, and all as well. But I, I still think, some teams will will and and I know some teams have more questions about that than they would have in a normal year had he gone to the combine and right. and every team's full medical staff could have looked at him because even this year the medical checks uh, teams could only send two representatives uh, each and normally they would have 10, 11, 12 people in that medical exam room so. Uh, you know, I think Farley is is one player. I, I will be very intrigued to see where he he is is selected in the first round because as a prospect, is uh, amazing right. potential. He's only played defensive back for two years, and and to be able to do it the way he does and with his uh, athletic traits, I mean, the, the a tremendous prospect. But I I I'm really going to be intrigued to see when his card gets turned in on you know on Thursday. I'm also wondering with some of those corner prospects, because there are some guys in the second round who may be available that might cause someone to say, well, I don't need to take a chance on him yeah. because there's good depth in this class. Yeah, at corner, it's interesting, John, because overall this is a thin board. I think that's why the quarterback frenzy is at an all-time high, because overall this is not a strong board. You know, from about the middle of the fifth on, you're going to see – players selected people are going to be looking them up trying to find them on lists you know whatever because uh it's going to be so different team to team because it is a thin board and some positions are as thin as they've been in years defensive tackle is is as thin as it's been in in over a decade hmm. uh, but corner is the one strong deep position corner wide receiver uh but you could you know they're draftable or very draftable corners deep into the sixth. I mean, you're well right. into day three and you're, you're still looking at corners with 
very good draftable grades. I mean, I got well over 30 wow. corners going into day, you know, overall with, with draftable grades on, on this board. And that's, that's really good depth. And that, that may cause all teams to say, we'll just hang on and, and get a guy in day two. Who, who are your top five, top 10 guys on this list? Who are your top? Well, let's go top 10. Top 10. Uh, you know, I put Lawrence at the top. Trevor Lawrence is just phenomenal. Uh, the, the more I watched him all three of his seasons, you just appreciate how good he was. I, I, I'm not certain he was appreciated even mm. as much as people like watching the guy. Uh, a phenomenal prospect, just everything you'd like in a quarterback. And of these quarterback prospects, I, I think he faced – the best competition played the most high stress downs in big situations. And you're talking about a guy in all of his high school years and three years at Clemson never lost a regular season game. So, I mean, that's just unbelievable to me, but uh, I start with Lawrence, Kyle Pitts at two, Devonte Smith at three. I, you know, I don't care what he weighs right. essentially, uh, Jamar Chase at four, LSU wide receiver. Uh, a bit of a surprise. I always have a curveball, scouts say. But uh, Rashawn <laughs> Slater is my number five, Northwestern tackle. There you go. That's there uh, you go. A lot Jaylen of people Waddle, like number six. Patrick Sertan at seven. Uh, Panay Sewell at eight. Trey Lance is my QB two. Uh, I got him at nine. And Quiddy Pay at ten. That's That's kind of my top ten. So and that's why I say like I think this year I'm curious when you're talking to teams, do you, did you notice a wider variance on opinions on a lot of these guys at the top? Yes, I mean it, it, it's a wider variance overall just because of the board. Again, it's a it's a thin board, so whenever and it's kind of a top heavy draft. I mean every there's a lot of agreement on sort of who the top forty prospects are but you could mix and match the names of those 40 uh, in a lot of different ways. I think from the way teams, you know, from me personally, just from talking to scouts, you know, I have Slater a little higher than, than some people. Uh, and certainly Lance, uh, he's QB two for some guys, but uh, I, I just think he's an underappreciated player. And had he played more than one game this past season, I, I think, you know, he certainly would be – I think he would be uh, higher on a lot of boards than, than he is. And, and to me, in terms of an NFL prospect, you get a free year almost because he's only 20. He won't even turn 21 until May. So uh, you get a free developmental year for a guy who's going to be – he won't even be 25 if you take him in the first round and his contract runs out. <laughs> Where do you have the other quarterbacks? What what numbers are they? Uh, I have Justin Fields as my QB three. Uh, I've got him at eleven. Uh, I ended up with twenty three first round grades this year. So uh, Zach Wilson's at twenty four for me. So he's my uh, his grade is at the top of the second for me. And you know, John, I think I should say the dirty little secret of the draft is there's never thirty two first Correct. round grades for any team. 23 and, is a lot, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I think it's a top-heavy board. Yeah. I, I think it really is a top-heavy board. I, I uh, 
vacillated a little bit. I was sitting at 21 for a little bit, and then I I redid some guys and ended up with two more. But uh, and then uh, you know beyond that, I've you know I think Wilson. I got Mac Jones at 33. Okay. Uh, you know, right in there, and that's you know after that, it's a it's a big gap until the next group. Who would because the next group is somebody a group that would if Washington gets a quarterback. Yeah, my my guess right now would be if, if like you know if Justin Fields fell far enough and they didn't have to reach to or didn't have to jump high to get him, or you're looking at a day two guy. So the day right. two guys would probably be Davis Mills, Kyle Trask. Where do you and those guys? I know with Trask especially that there's been interest there. With Mills, I've heard there's been interest. Where do you have those guys at? I would throw Kevin Kellen Mond in in the sort of that second group of quarterbacks. I you know Mond is a player I like probably a little more than some too. And and I think what Mond has is you're talking about all these shorter resumes at quarterback. Mond has the long resume. Yep. of this group you know he's at 44 starts in the sec is is quite the you know that that's quite the list so you know i got mills down in mond mills and and trask i got trask in late day two early day three mills is at 70 and i and i've got mond a little above that so to think yeah. mond. so that, the mills think those three guys are in the group and that they, that's the big – there's a huge variance on that second group of quarterbacks, what teams think. Really, yeah. Some QB coaches really love Mon's potential. Uh, Mills is a guy people have learned to – or sort of confirm that they like as they've gone through the pre-draft process. You know, he really threw well at pro day. You know, players don't rise significantly because of their pro day, but when – when guys evaluators go, they're looking for confirmation at right. pro day. And they got that confirmation from Mills at his, he had a really good, good day in that, in that regard. So. And, and it, let, me, let me, let me interrupt you for one second with those pro days. Cause like with him, he's only had 11 starts. Right. So you, there is more they need to see, but I'm also guessing some of it is also, you know, being there, feeling their presence and then seeing how they interact. So what what do you think really made a difference at his pro day? You know, I always say, John, those are prom night. You never look better than you do at your pro day. <laughs> yes. You know, it's it's uh I had a light blue tux on my prom yeah. night. I'm not sure how good I look anymore, but actually it was well, a in that moment, light baby. Light the light blue yeah. was, <laughs> was you were rising on the board. <laughs> uh no, you know, it's 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 sort of that feel. You know you're on stage. Everyone's come to see you, you know, you, that's the kind of moment you have, you sort of have to live as a quarterback in the NFL. You, you have to live with the eyeballs on you. And it's, right. it's one of those moments where, and there's no crowd, you know, it's, it's quiet, you know, pro days are, are very quiet. It's really funny. There's all these people. Uh, and, and it's just that, how do you sort of work in that little moment, you know, were you comfortable? Uh, were you, you know, chatting up the other guys? Were you controlling the workout? Did, did you go at your speed? You know, did, you know, some guys hurry up because they're all hyped and, right. and everything, but you can really tell the guys who can control the tempo of a pro day. 
it just shows that they're going to be the guys who can go into a huddle with 30 year olds and tell people to shut up. I'm calling the play. You know, it's that that's part of being a quarterback and, and people liked how he, he handled it. Actually, all of these top guys uh, got good marks from people about how'd you do when all the eyeballs were on you. But, you know, you know, a lot of these guys have played in big games and, you know, big crowds. It was not right. a big deal for them to to do it. Yeah, and and you know, like I said, I think those guys. I don't like with Monda for this team. They haven't right. shown a lot of interest in him. Right, as you know, it doesn't always that doesn't always equate to whether or not you draft him. It's just the interest shown hasn't been there. So we will and see again, John. The, the variance on that second group of quarterbacks is right. all over the place. You could get ten people who are adamant. Davis Mills is the best of the next group. And you could get 10 people to tell you Kellen Mond is the, you know, that there is a wide right. array there. So, but you only need one person to love you in the draft, you know? That, that's right. That's and, and I think with Mills, it's interesting because he was a former five-star recruit who only played 11 games and, you know, right. saw flashes where then you're now extrapolating or projecting out. Well, if he had stayed in college and you, you build on those inconsistencies, now maybe you're getting a gem of a guy, maybe if he stays another year, he's a first round pick. Whereas like Kellen Mond was probably always going to be where he's going to go, but he also, well, improved. His resume, he, yeah, they've, yeah, they've but he also improved to his credit. Yeah. So yeah. it is. And, you know, I, I, I know college football fans get frustrated by the NFL draft, but I tell people all the time, it's about potential overproduction a lot right. of the time. And absolutely, it, it doesn't matter that you were, you were all conference three years. Yeah. It's a, it's a chip in your favor. But college, I know I am very good friends with fanatical college football fans. I lived in in Nashville for 10 years in SEC country. Fanatical college football fans often are frustrated by players they loved. And, the you know, the guy gets picked in the sixth round, you know, and they're like, what happened? Well, it's about potential overproduction. Right. Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about a fun new offer from Monkey Knife Fight that can enhance any sports experience, whether you're at a game, on your couch, or in a bar. It's a daily fantasy sports league that is easy to play. You can sign up on monkeyknifefight.com using promo code JKR and play games such as more or less. Will an NBA player score more or less than a listed point total? You can do the same in baseball. Will a pitcher have more or less strikeouts than a given amount, etc. It's fun, and every Friday it's Home Run Derby, and on three guys who had home runs that night, all three hit one, you share in the prize pool. Every week you can participate in their eagle-eyed jackpot based on the PGA Tour. Choose from any sport, from NASCAR to UFC and League of Legends. And of course, once football rolls back around, there will be even more fun prop bets. This is daily sports betting designed for the average fan to use their knowledge and have some fun. Sign up now at monkeyknifefight.com and use promo code JKR. That's promo code JKR. Let's go to linebacker because that's another area of interest here. How, and one of the things I've heard, and I want to get the one guy, a couple guys I want to ask you about, uh, Koromoa, because I think he's of interest here, you know, Jamin Davis, some other guys like that. But it also seems like there was a maybe a, there's a gap with what people think of a linebacker position because there is a thought like, well, some of these guys you could get maybe late first, and there's some other guys that'll be available in the second. 
how wide is the gap between that group and then the first round group? So, you know, what, what's your take on the linebacker class in those first few rounds? You know, it's, it's sort of that 31 flavors uh, thing because uh, there are a lot of good, there are many good players, but each one may fit a team differently. You know, Ron Rivera, former traditional linebacker, may look at the position differently than uh, a team looking for a hybrid guy who can play all over the place. You know, you just don't it, – it's sort of like what they think of of each one, and each guy is uh, has a little something different uh, about them just because of the way defenses are in college football now too right. because everybody's throwing the ball all over the place. It's a position where there's a lot of good talent, and, and Coromoa is – one of my favorite players on the board. I had him at 14. When I was talking with personnel people about him, you know, they sort of expressed this, well, I don't know if he's a safety or a linebacker. And my point is, figure it out. The guy right. can do a million things. And there's always a danger in that because you want a player to be good at something for you. Right. You know, and I think Isaiah Simmons last year is a good example of that. He was my number one player in the, on the board last year and he didn't play that much as a rookie because they were sort of trying to figure out what can he do but I always think you don't you don't sort of draft for just the guy's rookie year either but you know you got edge guys like Ojolari uh Zaven Collins is a bigger guy who I really like he was my last first round grade this is he year. more but I've heard teams and this is why I don't look at him as an option here as a three more of a three four guy. Did, did you hear a lot of that? Yeah, I, I, I did because he's big. That's the thing. Two seventy, man. Yeah, he's he's a big dude. So I think he's got enough athleticism to play wherever. I mean, I watch him return the interception for a touchdown uh, on the game video, and really good. quality athleticism <laughs> there. So I, I think you could do a little thing with with him. You know, Jameen Davis from Kentucky is another guy who fits today's league. You know, he's about 234 pounds, very athletic, closing speed, can cover, you know, willing in the run game to get in there. Uh, you know, that I think those are the kinds of players people are really looking for now because you almost always hear, can he cover a tight end? Right. You know, when you're talking about linebackers now, because that's the game. You know, it used to be, can you fill in the run game? Now it's, can you participate in the run game and can you cover a tight end? <laughs> so. Right. And I do know, like, in this, you know, I cover a team that as a former linebacker, as a head coach. Yeah. And I think, I think he talks a lot about positional versatility, but I also know the philosophy there is you got to stop the run first, because if you don't stop the run, the passing game becomes irrelevant. But you, but we both know that that coverage angle is a huge deal anymore and I think the RPO game too you want more of that speed at the position as well and the ability to cover man and the issue is you know you're before you know when when Rivera was playing you were in base defense sometimes first second and right. third down depending on down and distance now you're you're in base defense maybe one down uh you know every four so what you do at linebacker is different now. You know, you, you've got two on the field, you know, most of the time. So they have to be able to do 
a lot of different things in, in your scheme to, to make that work. You know, that's why, again, the, it used to be 250-pound guys. Now, you know, it's Jermaine, Jamin Davis, Nick Bolton, all these guys that are 235, 230, you know, right in there. That's that's the linebacker's size now. Where do you have Davis at? Uh, Davis, I've got – I like him a lot. I've, I've got him up in a early day two. Okay. Or, that's uh, about yeah. Where, yeah. And that's, that's about where I've heard from him. And that's why I say, like, I wonder if you want a linebacker and you're, you're like this team, you're sitting there at 19 and maybe yeah, 27 right now, for okay. example, 27 for okay. me, that's early for, day too. Right. Yeah. So, but if you're like a team like Washington and you're looking at, you know, Hey, we could take Cormoa here, or you can try and trade back and get a similar guy at the end of the first or early second, whether it's a Davis, maybe I, I've heard, and I don't know where yet Pete Werner. I've heard his name a few times by Barrett Browning, people. another guy. Barrett Browning, another State. guy. Yeah, yeah. I think Werner fits what these guys would want. Um, probably, right. probably a little bit more. But um, so I just wonder with a gap with that, like if it, you know, if t- if it would cause teams to trade down, or do they say like Koromoa yeah. is just this much better and more impactful maybe than somebody else? So that and, and, we'll, be- and more versatile. Right and more Cormo, versatile. You, you, you're thinking he can line up multiple places, whereas the other guys maybe, you know, one or two, right. you know. And, and again, you know, sometimes versatility is again is is can work against a player because right they they want you to be great at one thing. You Correct. know, you always hear that like, but he's good. But what's he great at? You heard that with Kyle yeah. Trask. But with um, offensive line, Christian Derisaw. Um, yep. What are you hearing about him? Because I hear both both ways with him. Uh, well, it, he is sort of that. If you know, I, I think my my line was any offensive line coach who watches him in the run game is going to be a, in a good mood because he he just rampages people in the run game. But and fifteen years ago, that would have made you really a you know a gold star but now you know he's got some work to do in pass protection uh but I, I think he's I think he's the first round prospect I I really like him as a player but he's much farther along in the run game uh but has all the footwork reach uh balance so you you're you're saying okay once he gets uh some teaching, he's going to be okay at pass protection because he has the the attributes to do it. So I think he's a I think he's a great prospect. So when you're looking at left tackle again, because he might be gone before Washington picks, I think if he's sitting there at 19, then the decision is, what's the how do these second and third round tackles project to left tackle? Who are some project left tackles that you have on your list that you might say, well, if you miss on Derisaw you can get this guy because I think, you know, what I hear is that he can play left tackle. Uh, I got Derisaw at 13. I mean, I, I think he's just a really, I, I think in pass protection, my favorite thing he showed was that he, he cuts the angles of the speed guys. And that's in today's league, that's a huge thing. And he does it sort of naturally. So even when he puts his hands in the wrong spot and the rest of it, he, he has his, his footwork in the right place. But the, tackles it's it's really intriguing because you've got all these guys who are down the board who are you know walker little from stanford 
you know, he's almost six, eight, you know, Spencer Brown from Northern Iowa, you know, he's six, eight, you've got these big framed future left tackles, maybe who just need a little work, you know, uh, you know, like I say, Walker Little from Stanford, he, he missed some time with injuries. You know, again, you're projecting. Right. And you know, I think he's I think he's a good day two. Okay. Good day two tackle, you know, people to look at. But those are the kinds of players you're looking at. You know, the strength of the board is the interior guys, guard and center. Right. There, there are an awful lot of those guys. So I think the run will take place on the tackles at some point as, as people sort of run out of graded guys at that position. Right. And that's why I think like if Darisaw sitting there, they would take him because I yeah. think because they know they can get certain other positions in the second and third round. What's the one position that you that is not deep that you say if you want a guy here, you better get him early. And defensive tackles as thin as it's been in years. Said, but it's, yeah, it's not a great uh there are some safeties, uh, but I think Again, it's what you like in a right. safety. You know, it, it may be thin for some schemes. You know, wide receivers pretty deep, tight, tight end very thin. I mean, it's. I'm not sure people are going into this draft thinking, "Oh, we're going to get plenty of help at tight end," because that's it's just not there. Especially after the first couple, then after that, it's it's more of hope, pick and hope. And because I'm assuming, obviously, Kyle Pitts, Fryer moved. Would he be your second tight end? Then Hunter Long. Is that how you have it? Or uh, I didn't have Hunter Long. I I, I like, uh, and it's intriguing. I mean, Hunter Long would be probably a like a fourth rounder for me okay. right okay. now. I think is what I had on him. I snuck I snuck Tommy Tremble in as my oh, number okay. three yeah. tight end, be, yeah. simply because athletically, to me. They, they almost – they didn't throw him the ball very much. Like, he didn't have a touchdown catch this past season. But when he runs routes and frames the ball, I think he looks great. And he already blocks better than everybody else at the position. He gets after it blocking. So I think he has the toughest piece already figured out and shows much more potential as a receiver – uh, then he's been given the opportunity in college. And I know this team here, they've got guys who are trying to convert as pass catchers. They need a blocking, a guy who can block as well. So that would be something to watch out for. Last thing. I, that's a guy I'd look at if I was them. Yeah. I, I yeah. think he's he's tremendous as a blocker. I mean, he, they need he's that. tenacious. He locks on. Good. I mean, his footwork, he, he looks like he was taught as a lineman at some point. Mm. I mean, he really has good footwork when he's when he's engaged. And I think he can be so much more as as a receiver. But like I say, he was my he was my tight end three. Uh, Friar month, I had it. I have it sixty. So okay. I, you know, I got That's him right at the at the bottom of the second. So, and the last thing, then, do you? How much are you hearing? Because because of the way this draft is, and because of next year, people are going to expect it to be a lot deeper. How much are you hearing of? Are you hearing more of a desire by teams to trade back? Because the problem is, everybody always says that. Oh, we just trade back. But you need somebody to trade up. And if everybody wants to get those assets for next year, it becomes harder to then trade back. But do you hear a lot of that kind of talk like, hey, we want to load up for next year? Well, you know, I think, uh, you know, the old more darts approach, you know, the more darts you throw at the target, the more hits you can you're going to have. So you want all those picks. But 
you know, the problem is, is and again, this is such a thin board late that I think so many teams are going to be trying to bail in the sixth and seventh round that it's going to be harder to do it because, uh, you, you know, as a GM, you're going to need to find that one team who has that graded player up on the board still right? who, who wants to go get them. And, you know, that's going to be the issue. I think more teams are going to want to get out than want to move up. So and it's, it's going to be about timing. And it's funny because I had even someone say, like, don't be surprised if you see some people trading a third round pick this year for a fourth round pick next year, which would be the reverse of what you would usually do. But they said just the the depth, the potential depth for next year that teams will want to be in that top 100 because of the expected talent depth next year. But again, you know, and that's, that's always a roll of the dice. You know, you're it is. you're projecting on spring grades and uh and all these guys going back uh, yeah and you're projecting from a pandemic season you know some teams played six games some you know you don't have the information you usually have to project the next draft so i i think uh true to me i wouldn't surrender more value to to get less but yeah you you know people have said that to me that or they'll just take the throw in seventh rounder in the deal just to just to get it done and make it look better but I think so many teams are going to be trying to do it in day three that it's going to be harder there you go leggy always great stuff everybody check out the top 100 prospect list by list by Jeff Legwa on ESPN.com right now how many how many years have you done this now uh I started stacking players in 1986 formally I had done a little bit informally before that but actually started talking to teams and scouts in 1986 in that area went to the my combine the first combine 1987 so there you go you and mel (laughs) i just talked to mel yesterday about (laughs) something so he's he's in good shape he rocks that guy is uh, people should know he's he's a tremendous guy and he's a great guy very helpful to anybody and um just very passionate about what he does. And yeah, I think that I was just going to say, we, we should all be as passionate about our, our job. And, and honestly, he, he and Joel uh, Buxbaum kind of yeah. created this, weekly, man. Yeah. you know, Joel, Joel uh, died years ago, but he and Mel carved it out yeah. really when you think, and Paul Zimmerman, you know, those three yeah. guys really sort of made this, uh, you know, that you, you didn't have to be in the league to scout players, that you could still do it. And, you know, it, I'm sorry I'm dragging on, but, you know, to do this before the Internet, I'm not sure people can appreciate. I used to have to get heights and weights on individual guys one at a time, and even that would take days. So just to get a guy's height and weight. So it's it is, I, it's I mean, different. It, it is very different to, to have to – because you have to call the schools for that stuff too, and – you're doing that before a lot of people probably had fax machines as well. So yeah, uh, no. I used to have a lot of VHS tape laying around. So oh, I, but I, I, no I, more. Yeah. And I still have the pro football weekly um, draft guides by Joel Buxbaum in my, in my office. So I still got it. Uh, Joel, the, I, yeah. When I used to go to the, the draft back in the day at Madison square garden, I always sat, it always seemed that they put me right in front of Joel. So we would, <laughs> We'd be chatting up during the draft, but because he always sat right behind me. 
There you go. Leggy, thanks, man. Great stuff, as always. Appreciate it. Everybody, check it out. You're awesome, man. Thank you. Hey, DC sports fans. We are the Beltway Sports Bros. I'm Matt Vizana and my brother, Noel. Hey, Noel, this is where you talk. Matt, are you sure I should be talking? You know I can't handle this censored bullshit. Settle down, Noel. We're just fans like you, talking all things DC sports every Tuesday and Friday. And check out our top five Fridays and all our awesome guests. Like Doc Walker, Mike Jones, Ben Standig, Bram Weinstein, and many others. Subscribe to our show wherever you get our podcasts and check out all of the great shows from Empire Media. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Jeff for joining me, and thank you, as always, for listening. I'll be back with another episode Wednesday. I'll be explaining my pick on ESPN's NFL Nation mock draft. Again, that airs Tuesday night. And I'll share a couple draft day memories of my own. Talk to you next time.